0: All right, guys. Really excited today to be joined by Wyoming Athletics Director Tom Berman. Year sixteen on the job, Tom. What does that sound like to hear that?
1: Um, it doesn't seem like it's been sixteen years. Um, I still love what I do, but um, it's pretty surprising. I never thought I would
0: survive sixteen years. So, um, but it's I still enjoy it, or I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I love it. absolutely. Well, Jared's got a question for you right off the bat, and it's something that I didn't even know about you, Tom, and I'm really excited to hear this answer.
2: Tom, you started your career in athletics as a basketball manager under Jim Brandenburg. How did that come about, and in your opinion, how many players would have transferred off of that 1987 team <laughs> and followed Brandy to San Diego State? Um, well, Hypothetically, obviously. Let, let, me,
1: let me say it this way. I think very few would have followed him but I think most of them would have left. Um, well, I, I take that back, Jared, because winning solves all issues. I mean, Coach Brandenburg w- would be the hardest coach to play for that I've ever been around um, as far as his expectations and the way he managed the team, bar none. Um, but kids, even today – are pretty resilient when they're really good and um, when they think it's either going to pay off in NCAA tournament appearances or pay off financially in the NBA. Um, but with the transfer portal and the NIL world, I just have a hard time imagining all of them sticking it out. But I'd love to think they would, but hard for me to fathom
2: yeah. But how
1: I ended up doing it, um, I, originally my, I, my love was basketball. I wanted to be a player. I wasn't good enough, um, and quickly learned that. And fortunately for me, Coach Brandenburg, uh, hired me one year to just work camps all summer when I was like a freshman in college or maybe a sophomore. I can't remember. And I worked like four weeks of camp and, Worked hard because that's the way I was raised and that led to uh, a manager's position and then doing some more summer camp stuff for him. And then when he went to San Diego State, um, I thought about going with because at the time I wanted to be a coach, but I was blind. I, I'm glad I made the decision I did, but back then I was angry that he was leaving Wyoming to go to San Diego State. I didn't really get the business side of it. So I was like, what are you doing? This is crazy. And I was mad. And so I stayed behind and.
2: Um, ended up transitioning into administration. Good. Um, speaking of the fi- the final four and the NCAA tournament that just happened, um, obviously San Diego State making a run to the title game. Um, can you explain how the units are distributed and the estimated amount that Wyoming will receive and how you will use it?
1: Yeah. Um, can't tell you how we're going to use it. I don't know at this point, but, the, every unit is the same. Whether you're in the, the games in Dayton, Ohio, or you're in the semifinals, it's the same value per unit. And all units are shared equally. So this year, we because of San Diego State's run and the number of teams we got in the NCAA tournament, even though all the others lost on their first game, we built up quite a quite a allotment of units, and it appears that The number will be somewhere in the neighborhood of $215,000 per school for six more years. The NCA holds it and pays it out over a six year window. So that's great. I mean, you're in in reality, it's $200,000 increase to your budget that we weren't banking on. I mean, we always budget. I think as the league advises us to budget for three units, if I remember correctly. Um, and that's assuming three teams get in. Or one team gets in and wins three games, however you want to look at it, and um that's that's basically how we budget, but um obviously, this year with the run of the Aztecs and the number of teams in we we did more than that, that's great, and last year was a pretty good year as well, so as far as number of teams in, they didn't advance, but
2: mm-hmm. still, I think
1: we had five games last year,
2: okay
1: so I'm and the play be- game counts for the same amount of money, I don't know if I said that oh, yeah. okay.
0: Uh, Tom, uh, today's obviously the opening of basketball signing period, uh, which goes through May 17th. Uh, so to stick with hoops a little bit here, uh, you know, I ran into you in Vegas and we talked about Graham E.K. in this roster. And at the time you said you believed he'd be back and hadn't heard otherwise. Um, you also suspected 20% of the roster would turn over. Now <laughs> we all know it's a lot more than that. Were you blindsided by this?
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't expect us to to lose anywhere near the number of guys we lost. I did expect turnover, and I my my belief is that 20% of the rosters on all sports will transfer every year, from here on out. And some years it might be 50, and some years it will be 10, but it's, it is just, at least for the near future, I don't see this changing much. Um, so when you asked me that question, um, I, I probably thought it might be more than 20%. I didn't expect it to be this number. And I was being honest with you, Gr- Graham. I specifically asked Graham multiple times. And he was, nope, all is good. I'm coming back. I've just got to get my foot healed, blah, blah, blah. I I I I don't know when Graham made up his mind, but he he had made up his mind at some point. And, and I wish him the best. I hope he has a great career. I hope he's healthy. And, um, you know, I, I wish we could have kept him, but that's life.
0: Yeah. Uh you know Tom fans are not exactly comfortable at the moment of course uh, especially with just one verbal commitment and the three scholarship players that are remaining more importantly though are you comfortable with where things are currently with the basketball program I'm comfortable where we are we need to get some kids signed there's
1: no doubt about that um but you know you look at it the 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 portal window hasn't even closed yet I mean so there is going to be kids still entering the portal and there's my numbers may be off a little bit. You can look it up. But let's say there were 1,600 kids that entered the portal as of a couple of days ago. The number I heard the other day is 350 have committed, uh, as of yesterday, committed. That's still 1,300 kids in the portal. Now, many of those kids are not, not going to have a place to go. Many of the there'll they'll be hundreds left, and they'll be going to Division Two or done playing or whatever. <clears throat> um, that's just the nature of the numbers game. But – um, I know Coach felt good about the visits he had last week, um, and I think he is expecting to sign some from that group. Um, if I remember right, we had four or five visits. I, I'm sure he's not expecting to sign all four, and I'm not even sure he wants all four.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but he, we've got to get some players. I will say, if you go back in the roster, you look when Coach Shiat was here, he, he he won many games with 11 or 12 kids on scholarship. He didn't like 13. Um, so uh,
0: it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't get to 13, but we got to get to 10-11. Sure. Uh, you know, Craig Bull went through this. He lost double-digit players to the portal after the 21 season. In uh, talking to a good majority of those guys, Tom, uh, a common theme arose that they all felt like they didn't have a relationship with Craig and felt like he was too old school. Um, are you seeing that with Linder at the moment? And like Bull, will he have to do some self-reflecting and make some of those changes about the way he goes about business in this new age?
1: Yeah, I think we all do. I mean, uh,
0: the, the
1: world is changing. The, the leverage or the power, I guess you would say, which for decades was in the coach's hands, um, has shifted now to the player's hands. Um, now I think hopefully for it's, it's just like anything, the pendulum has probably swung too far. We got to come back to the middle and hopefully there's a way to do that it looks complicated to get there right now but um yeah i think every coach is going to have to adjust to the current landscape i mean you have to have a closer relationship so it's more difficult for a young man or a young woman to walk in your office and say they're out mm-hmm. if if there is if you have kids texting you that they're out that means they're not very connected to you. And that has happened to many of our coaches and many of our sports in the last few years. And that's, we just got to do a better job. Um, but um, the challenge we face at Wyoming, and I said this the other day, is going to be the greatest hurdle for us. Um, we all, we have to be a developmental program. And to be a developmental program, it has to be hard. It cannot be easy. I mean, we we are not going to get the same kids that the Aztecs get or even I hate to admit it, even that CSU probably gets. Okay, but if we in the past, if we could do our job of developing young men and women and growing them up in our program and putting them in positions where they might have been uncomfortable, but they overcame, you learn so much in that experience, whether it's strength conditioning or practice or academics. We just, you, you got to get pushed a little bit. Um, how do you balance that with the current landscape of I can walk out the door anytime and find a landing spot? And it's, I mean, these kids come to us often having played for multiple high schools and different AAU teams. It's just what they do. And we got to get, a, we got to find kids that haven't done that, that have stayed with the same high school, stayed with the same club coach, and fought through some adversity. And bring those kids to Wyoming and, and coach them in a fashion that, uh, that works here. Because if we just all of a sudden flip it 180 and decide we're going to, we're going to be really nice to everybody all the time. We're not going to put anybody in a tough position. We're not going to hold you accountable. The wheels will come off so fast. I mean, we can't do that here. And I don't, I think there's, there's thousands of kids that want to be coached and they want to be held accountable. And we just got to figure out how to manage it. But having said all that. It's 2023
0: and they gotta love you. Yeah. Uh last one, hoops wise for me, Tom. Uh, you know, we know an investigation was launched after the season. Is that still ongoing? And if not, are you satisfied with the feedback you received?
1: Yeah, it's done, and I'm I'm satisfied with it. We met with uh every person in the program, every coach, every <clears throat> administrator, every the strength conditioning staff, the sports med staff, et cetera, um, and feel good about it.
2: Um, switching gears here to the NIL and a, a possible collective, how could one be set up and what are the rules and regulations behind one being set up?
1: Well, it's the issue really in setting up a collective is the first question is, is it an LLC or a 501c3? A 501c3 collective is harder to set up and takes time, could take up to a year to get set up. Um if you can find a chair, a nonprofit that's already set up and they agree to allow this collective to become their focus and they change to that, then you can, you can go that route. And that's how some schools have set up 501c3s that have been quicker. Um, many have been LLCs. Now, when we talk to our donors, the idea of giving to an LLC doesn't move the ones with money at all. They want a tax benefit for the most part. They don't want to just. I mean, in full transparency, the whole idea of NLI as far has been difficult for some of our people to embrace. They're coming around, but it's it takes a one on one conversation to sell them on it that it's it's a good investment for them. Um, but so we are having dialogue with people. We got to get somebody. We got to find the right people who who are doing it and will be. Um, Respected because people are giving them the money. They're not giving it to us. So they're giving this collective the money. The leadership of that collective has to be very well respected. They have to be, um, about the University of Wyoming, not a, about a sports specific collective. That's what's killing some of my counterparts. If you talk to some of the ADs now that in other schools, they, they started a collective and it became focused on XYZ basketball. And not football. And so now the fans of football are upset and the coaching staff is upset at the coaches on the other side. So it's, it's pretty convoluted, but we're going to have to get more creative. We're going to have to figure it out. You know, we did a program last year with the boys and girls club and, uh, probably raised about $300,000. The money was given to the boys and girls club, the boys and girls club then, uh, uh managed it managed some programming that was done through there and paid our student athletes um worked well but um you know we lost a lot of kids yeah and so um it didn't keep them here um and that's kind of the common theme we're starting to hear from some donors wait a minute i did this last year and it didn't help well it might have helped we don't know um But you're right. We gotta we've we've gotta find a way to get it done um, sooner or later.
2: Do incoming student athletes when they're being recruited ask about the NIL opportunities during that process? Yeah, they do, and they you know we for example
1: you know you take Hunter Maldonado. I I don't want to say exactly what he made because it's no one's business, but he did very well in the NIL space, even for the Mountain West. Probably one of the higher paid kids in the Mountain West was wow. Hunter Maldonado.
2: Wow.
1: Most of that fell on Hunter Maldonado. Uh, he really worked at it. It was extremely creative and, you know, not only made money on Open Doors, which is a platform where someone can go in and say, Hey Hunter, I want to pay a hundred bucks to do a shout out to my nine year old birthday. That he, he, he promoted that, marketed that. And it worked for him. And then he did a lot of work with the boys and girls club. He did some work with some private corporations around the, around the state. Other kids, it didn't work as well and they didn't work at it as hard. But many, many kids ask about how does it work? Um, have kids, have you had any success? And obviously our coaches talk about Hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, there are kids that are in this space right now that are, being guaranteed money. And and we can't, we're not really doing that. And we, we can't really do that at this current
2: stage we're in. And I know that it's on the website, the open doors is and stuff like that, but I feel like I'm a pretty engaged fan when it comes to Wyoming athletics. I didn't even know about open doors until about a month ago.
1: Yeah. Two things. We got to promote it better. No doubt about it. Um, we also got to feel better about, it. they take a pretty big chunk. So we are, before we go full steam in, we got to understand exactly, uh, if there's a way we can get a better cut for our kids.
2: And then one last thing on this part of it. Could you explain a little bit more about the, what the Alston awards are and how somebody qualifies for that? Yeah. So
1: Alston money is, is, is not really an official name, but Alston was a lawsuit that ended up in front of the Supreme Court in 2021, I think I can't remember. And if you remember, it was the case where 9-0 Supreme Court ruled against the NCA. It was basically the kind of the last slap that the NCA got. They were like, "Wow, we got to change the way we operate because the the Supreme Court's going to rule against us every time." And basically, what it said was the in the in this case, it was the suit was related to capping scholarships at tuition, room, board, and uh, uh, the total scholarship value, which included some living expenses at all schools, but um, they said you can't cap it at that, but you can cap it at fifty nine eighty, but you can increase it by fifty nine eighty if you want if it's tied to education. So schools in the Power Five immediately went to that and offered scholarships that would include a full academic or full athletic scholarship plus 5980 um and they called that the Alston scholarship which sometimes it was tied to doing very well academically sometimes it was tied to just being eligible um sometimes it was somewhere in the middle um and in our conference um nobody has fully embraced Alston scholarship across the board we're we're way out in front we're going to do we started this semester with $5,000 for every student athlete on a full scholarship and prorated for every student athlete on a partial. So if you're on a 50% aid, you get $2,500. What we did was we, it's, it's the way we structured it, it's somewhat of a retention. So if you're here this spring and you meet the academic standards, which in all honesty are not superiorly high, we want to make sure that all of our student athletes get it. But you also don't have any off the field issues, we don't have any drug testing issues, we don't have any academic dishonesty issues. You would qualify for your semester Alston, which is twenty five hundred bucks, but you won't get paid until you return in the fall. Mm-hmm. So for so the kids who left this spring will not get their money, they'll lose their twenty five hundred dollars. Um and
0: um because they you have to be enrolled in the fall to get paid for your spring money. Uh, let's transition to football here, Tom. Uh, this program exceeded expectations last fall, winning seven games, uh, playing in a bowl with one of the youngest rosters in the FBS. Uh, that's the really good news. Uh, still, fans seem to be pretty pessimistic uh, because of this passing offense still remaining one of the worst in the nation. As athletic director, I'm curious. Do you talk to Craig Bowl about changing things up and improving in certain areas or what you would like to see change? I just want to win.
1: I don't care how we win. <laughs>
0: I point. like football under Fred Akers, so it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I just like Ws. Um, is that uh, overstepping your bounds, though, or do you do you offer up your, your opinions? Um, I wouldn't
1: say it's overstepping my bounds. I mean, I believe that we, we have to be more efficient offensively to go from s- seven wins to nine wins, ten wins. And um, my goal is to win a conference championship. And – to get there, we're going to have to be more productive offensively. But if we do it via running, I'm fine with that, too. Um, But I think to be really effective in 2023, I mean, you know, you look at the really effective programs in college football, and they are very good offensively. Um, and, you know, we're going to be more like a Kansas State. We're going to be more like an Iowa State. Well, they're, they're more efficient offensively than we are and we've yeah. got to, we've got to improve. And Craig knows that he's, he understands the game better than the fan base does. Sure. Um, whether they want to admit it or not, but, um, <laughs> uh, um, and, but it, it isn't, um, uh, my, my role is sit down with him and say, Hey coach, you're <clears throat> we're close. But to get to where we want to be, there's three parts of this game, defense, special teams, and offense. That portion of it, a third of it, is not producing the level we need. He knows it, and and the kids know it, and they're working their tails off to address it. Um I don't always agree with how fans think we get there. I mean, they, they think if we throw on first down all the time that we're going to be really good on offense. And I've been here under Dave Christensen, where we averaged 47 points a game
0: and lost eight. So... that's true Uh, as we talked about earlier the football program kind of dealt with that first wave of transfers in 2021 I thought this offseason the staff did a masterful job of not only keeping this roster intact but adding some weapons like Northern Illinois' Harrison Whaley Uh, what are your thoughts on the way the football program has navigated these waters I think they've done a very good job Um, I don't think we're
1: out of the woods I mean you know just to be there's another transfer portal opening for football in May and there will probably be Wyoming Cowboys in it. And that's where our fans got to understand that sometimes a lot of the time it isn't about what we're not doing or what we're doing to these kids. It's just the nature of the beast. They're going to put their name in the portal and go, especially if they're not starting or if they're unhappy, it's too cold. They're doing crappy in school. They got a positive drug test, whatever it is. They're just going to put their name in and get the heck out. Sure. Um, and sometimes we we cheer it, you know. Um, <laughs> that's just reality. Sure. Um, But, uh, I think the football staff, Craig has done two things. One is I think he's made a concerted effort to be more available, be more, be more visible to young people. Um, he's done a really nice job of accepting that we have to take transfers. We have to bring kids in. Um, and that was something that was, he was strongly against. He's passionate about. You know, he loved developing young people. He loved yeah. watching Andrew Winger grow from 170 pounds to an NFL player. Well, there's going to be less of that. There is going to be less of that. But there also is going to be an Andrew Winger who comes into Wyoming and plays for us for a year or two. Yeah. And that's going to be fun also. Right. Um, and um, I think he's he's come around to that. And he's he's hot, excited about, you know, the running back from Northern Illinois. And he's he's excited about – the development, some, you know, a couple of the kids who came in last year didn't do much for us as, as transfers about where, what they might do this year. And we are still on the lookout
0: for transfers. I mean, we have scholarships available. Uh, Craig Bowles contract is up after the 2024 season. Can you tell us, have there been any talks about extensions or anything? There haven't been, you know, coach Bowles at a stage of his
1: life where I think we will sit down after each year and figure out where he wants to go, what's next for him and, uh, um, I love having him as the head coach at the University of Wyoming and I, um, he, he represents us very well nationally. And I mean, obviously the name of this game is winning, but we're, we're pretty darn productive. I think we're going to be very good this year and,
0: um, having him on our sidelines is valuable. Uh, Craig has mentioned, uh, mentioned it. So have a few players off the record, of course, um, Offers from other schools have happened. <laughs> Does someone need to step up and really blow the whistle to stop this tampering from outside sources? I don't know if the NCA would do anything about it right now. I don't know that they um, – I mean,
1: you think about it, and I'm, I I don't want to say something that's going to get me in trouble, but there's only been one, as far as I'm aware of. There, there, It started out with all of this legislation as it relates to NIL and Transfer Portal, and then they dummied it down – nine months ago and said, all right, here's our new policies. But there are no bylaws regarding NIL. They're just policies. Um And the only investigation that I'm aware of involved the two Cavender twins at the University of Miami, which to me, that says something. It says, I mean, there's, there's, High profile football players bouncing back and forth for millions of dollars and basketball players. I mean, there are, and there are young ladies in, in high level women's basketball programs who are turning down the opportunity to go to the WNBA and they're putting their name in the portal to see if they can get a raise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it is a, this model is, un, it, we, it cannot last for a decade. Because what it's going to lead to, and and maybe this is fine, it's going to lead to where the top 30, 40 programs just collectively bargain and they pay players. And um, maybe that's okay. I used to be strongly against that. But this model isn't working for Alabama, just like it didn't work for Wyoming.
2: What's the craziest number that you've heard of of a Wyoming player being offered without saying names, obviously? Um,
1: You know, I have heard – Rumors that we've had a player offered two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand um, dollars. But I will tell you this, the one one of the worst parts of this whole deal is, remember, these are, in theory, coaches are not supposed to be making the offer. So this is a collective that's making the offer. And collectives are throwing out numbers and then not able to fulfill that number. And there are student athletes now that are talking about suing the universities because the university act as the middleman. It's going to get ugly. Um, but I don't know when it will, but it's going to get ugly because <laughs> there's a lot of uh, the, unfortunately we made this change because people thought we were taking advantage of student athletes. And, and, and I have no issue with it, the whole concept of NIL, the way it was originally designed, but the way it's operated. Today, um, we are truly
2: taking advantage of young people. Uh, switching gears here just a little bit. When a football game or a football series is negotiated, do you ever try to schedule any basketball games along with that as well, like a home-and-home home or a two-for-one or just a road game?
1: Yes, never has worked yet. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, basketball, and I'm guilty of this, in in contract negotiation, we – It always becomes an issue with the coach. Who's in charge of the, who's in charge of the schedule? And even though the AD signed the schedule, basketball coaches have way too much control of the schedule. Whereas football coaches, I mean, I, I I sit down with coach Bull. We talk about it. But at the end of the day, if I said, we, we got to go to Texas. The money's too good. Got it. Let's go. Um, Uh, so uh, we've tried
0: and to date, I've never been able to pull that off. Would you ever want to take over the scheduling for basketball? Um, I'd like to try, but I will tell you,
1: I don't think I could hire a coach.
0: <laughs> they love it that much, huh?
1: They think it's, I mean, if you talk many times when you interview a coach, they'll, say, what are the three keys or four keys to approach to running a program? I, I got to hire good staff. I got to be able to recruit. I got to have good facilities and scheduling. Yeah, They really believe that non-conference scheduling is key. Now, I will say this to you. Coach Linder this year was willing to play anybody as long as they'd go home and home. Anyone. Any, he, it didn't matter. He uh, he will play anybody, even two times in the same year. Nobody was coming to Laramie. Yeah. And even if we threw cash up front, we threw out a few ideas of, all right, we'll do a home and home, but you come here, we give you 50 grand, and we go there, you don't have to give us anything. Nope, not interested. Wow.
2: That's crazy. Um, so with the Texas game this fall, um, how did you end up, uh, negotiating that and getting the guarantee from there? And I heard you mention that you asked for 50 more K than what CSU got. That's the
1: truth. I saw CSU had a signed a deal with them, and I've known Chris a long time, Chris Del Conte, and I called him and I said, Hey, you got any more openings? He was like, uh, yeah, but I'm never coming. I'm not going to do with past AD and come to Laramie. I said, mm-hmm. I understand that, but, um, we would be interested in playing if the date works. So he threw out the date and then he threw out a number that was lower than CSU. I said, no, nah, we can't do that. He said, what's it going to take? I said, 50,000 bucks more than you played, paid CSU. <laughs> and he dragged his feet a couple of weeks, then called and said, we got a deal.
2: Doing that's going to get you a contract extension.
1: don't <laughs> <laughs> get basketball players, I'm not going to have a
2: contract. <laughs> well, speaking of football, I mean, the football, the next few years schedule is very challenging and mm-hmm. with seven home games um, this year and then going on the road again next year to like ASU and then hosting a BYU in the future and all those kind of things. Is that something that you and Craig have sat down with on your projections of where the team is going to be, and where he hopes it to be,
1: yeah, I think um i when we do these things, you know we're doing them quite a few years in advance, and Coach Bull tries to look out, obviously, transfer portal makes that even more difficult to kind of be visionary and see where you're going to be, but um he he tries to do that and he also tries to look at what the, what the school is bringing back which is is kind of silly in today's world but that that's how we used to do it and he still does it um i think he feels like he's built a good enough program today that that um as long as we have six home games as he's passionate about an FCS opponent because he can get a lot of kids in the game if he does his job. I mean, obviously, when we played Montana State, that was a battle. But hopefully against Portland State, we can play some games. And that's important for morale. And so I think he wants to do that as long as we play another group of five, like we're doing with App State, even though they're extremely good. Um, he feels pretty good about it. Um, he'd prefer not to get bought. But he understands that a lot of the investments we've made in the last ten years, whether it be nutrition or Alston monies or or strength conditioning staff or mental health staff, that the money's got to come from somewhere. He's a very he's a he's a realist, so he's
2: willing to help. Okay, uh, with sti- sticking with football schedule and so forth, when do you um, expect the, the the final schedule to come out with the TV games being announced and the times and all that kind of stuff?
1: Um, I, I think we will have that probably within the next 30 days. Um, uh, and then remember though, they, they still have that 12 day window on certain games where they can change game times.
2: By. Times, yeah. But, yeah, but we yeah, should know. Yeah. So I, day I, or I, I I'm mean.
1: hopeful that by the middle of May, we have this thing done. Okay. Uh, we'll see.
0: May not. Last one for me, Tom. Uh, Has BYU tried to buy out of their game in Laramie? And are you shocked Utah is sticking around even after missing that game during COVID?
1: Um, BYU was not. And we actually called them right away with the the announcement of Big 12 and said, hey, do I have a problem? I wasn't giving them an out, but I just want to know about a problem. And they were like, no, we've looked at the schedule. We think this Mm -hmm. still makes sense. So I, I don't think that is changing. And Utah has, in my history, with the Utes, even going back to when they left the Mountain West, they've been pretty darn straight shooters. Uh, I think that's a – a lot of people don't like to hear it, but
0: that's a Kyle Whittingham trait. <laughs> I think a lot of people are not going to like to hear that. But it is, <laughs> a lot of people are going to like to see Utah on War Memorial Stadium. Yeah. So, Tom, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your transparency as always. And, uh, you know, uh, really excited for this football season. I think, uh, you know, I told a lot of people that I would have no trouble – picking this Cowboys team to do some serious damage this year, maybe even number one, number two in the conference. Just need to see that passing game come around a little uh, bit. I, I agree. If we can, I I've said many
1: times, if we get good quarterback play, which will lead to more, I mean, it's simple as more points per game and yeah. it doesn't have to be 20 more. It just has to be seven or eight more. And and you go from where we were last year to a nine, 10 win team. Ten's probably hard because we're scheduled, but nine is possible. And, um, if you do that, you're going to be in a really good position to be competing for a Mountain West championship. The other thing I would like to say to listeners, cause I, I know there's a lot of angst about cowboy basketball and it was a very, very difficult year and the, the year and the pressure that these kids and this coaching staff faced are hard for the fan to grasp. And that played a big role in why this thing unraveled. I mean, it, we had extremely high expectations and coach Linder embraced them right from the beginning and then it all started to unravel, and, and he takes responsibility for it. He's not passing the buck. He's not blaming it all on all on any one issue. But that stress and added pressure these kids faced added to a little bit of not a little bit. I think quite a bit of what happened. I will say this: there's going to be a, a roster of 15 basketball players playing for the Cowboys next year, wearing Wyoming, and I think they'll surprise people. And I think, you know, just give it some time, give them, give them an opportunity to put a roster back together. And, um, I think Coach Linder and his staff have a very good plan and, and we will be happy with the product.
0: Ken DeWeese told me that, uh, they're really excited for a reboot. And I think that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, we're starting over. I mean, we have Wenzel, Foster, and Caden Powell.
1: And, um, that's it. And a walk-on. And I love the walk-on, but it's, you know, we got to get some players around him, um, and hopefully, these these coach this coaching staff will do a great job of identifying kids who can stick
0: around, and you know,
1: we're right back to where we want to be.
0: Well, he's done it before over Zoom calls during a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you, man, as always. Have a good day.